Yara, remember that? Um, you know, where you would, you would get a question, and it, it felt a little bit like that to me, um, in which I didn't know the answer. So what I want to focus on is just the last sentence of my sermon, which I found. Just to focus us on that last sentence. What's the last sentence of the Say it again. You God So I want to drill into that. Take, take those words of uh, Jesus today. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God and wealth. So first of all, he doesn't say you can't have wealth. This, this directive from Jesus that you cannot serve God and wealth, it sounds black and white, but as any of you know that our middle age, where nuance is thrust upon you, um, and nuance is thrust upon us here all the time in the Episcopal Church, I think that's one of the things we love about the Episcopal Church, is that it's just full of nuance. Is there transubstantiation? Well, maybe. And so this phrase, to me, has much more nuance than the first time I heard it. You cannot serve God and wealth. I think what Jesus is talking about is sharing Joanna and John. And you only share when you have enough, Sheila. When you're a part of a family, as I have been, I have a sibling, you hopefully learn how to share. Maybe not always, uh, but there's an opportunity to share. Some in those moments with a sibling learn to hoard. <laughs> and hoarding is when you fear that you don't have enough. There is a famous Episcopal hymn that I sang in my prep school. For 13 years I went to this prep school chapel every day, and we often sang this hymn that comes from William Blake. It's a hymn that's called Jerusalem. It's very popular in England, and also in my prep school, as it turns out, in Minnesota. And the last quatrain of this uh, hymn that we sang in our little blue blazers with our crew cuts was this. Uh, also, this hymn was made famous, I don't know if you remember a movie, it was called Chariots of Fire, it was about running, and um, so it was a big part of my life, that, that film and then the hymn, and it all seemed to tie together at some point. I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand, till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. How do we make a Jerusalem here and now? 
How do we make Jackson Hole more green and more pleasant? More like a Jerusalem is my question today. Last week, at the invitation of my friend Betsy, who's in the last row on my right, um, we, she invited me to hear a pianist play Rachmaninoff in a wheat field. Did anybody else go to that? It was like, amazing! <laughs> the light shone, the afternoon light shone on the, uh, on the butte. Does everybody know what a butte is? Do you know what that is from Alabama? I didn't know. So a butte is like a cross between a, a hill and a mountain. It's not that. <laughs> and uh, it was beautiful. There, there was even a cowboy, right, that went by as we were listening to Rachmaninoff. Two families, the, I don't know, the Ewing and the Woodbury families donated the funds to make that happen, to make a pop-up Jerusalem. And wealth shared to make music. The music of Jackson Hole is composed of the flat creek, the sound of horse hooves, and the sound of sharing. So what does sharing sound like? Part of the sound of Jackson Hole is the sound of philanthropy. The electric, generous, anonymous zap of money. Wolves are saved here, as I learned in the wheat field. People in jail are encouraged to write memoirs here. And winter coats hang from trees every winter on the grounds of St. John's for those who don't have the money for heavy coats. John D. Rockefeller, Jr. saved the land that we're standing on, this land. So the music of sharing is in the dirt, right here. He said, after it is all over, quote, after it is all over, it is the religion the man or woman that is their most important possession. That's what he said. And as I was thinking about these words today, I think he had in mind these one, two, three, four, five, these six words of Jesus. You cannot serve God and wealth. Rockefeller's father created Standard Oil, and he, the son, was more interested in philanthropy. He gave $537 million away in his lifetime. He gave half that to his family, half of that. Fathers and sons, that seesaw of love in the gospel, in the story of Rockefeller, and in my own story. It was this land that led him to God that we stand on 
now that we, as we sit in this church. You cannot serve God and wealth, but you can have wealth. You got that? Yeah? Yes? Mm -hmm. Alabama? Yes. Okay. Money isn't bad. <coughs> Just don't serve it. But how do you not serve it? When does swiping a credit card trump crossing yourself? When does the hymn of Jerusalem become off-key? Right before I came to uh, Jackson Hole, I'm here for the month, my father died. Just uh, <coughs> days before I got here. Uh, and he felt, in some ways, that his life had been a failure. My father had lost his money. And he was, in some ways, like Willie Loman. Do you know Willie Loman? Death of a Salesman, Arthur Miller. Great play if you haven't seen it. Like Willie Loman in Old Lyme, Connecticut. And he felt he had never had enough. He tried to hold on to money, and as he held on to it, it disappeared. As the Blake hymn says, I will not cease from mental fight. I will not cease from mental fight. We all have challenges. And somewhere along the way, starting with the Great Depression, Dad got confused on how to save, and how to give, and how to stay out of debt. His son, Spencer, told him money did not matter. He loved his father, which he hoped gave his father peace. Dad loved me, and I love Dad. I'm so sorry. No, I turned it off. That happens all the time. My dad loved me, and I loved my dad. And we had a beautiful seesaw. My father thought the only way to measure riches was. Had oodles of stocks and dividends in love at the end. We had a pop-up Jerusalem, and that was bounty enough for me before I got here. So, people were asking a little bit about me. Uh, my priestly travels began in San Pedro Sula, Honduras. And Tom just gave me a book from Honduras, coincidentally. Uh, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. In this place, I was surrounded by girls with bloated stomachs and no teeth in their heads and no parents. I often smelled burning plastic, and I slept to the sound of gunfire and I never felt closer to God. The girls of Our Little Roses, or Nuestras Pequeñas Rosas, 
always had enough. They had shelter, they had food, visitors were immediately given the best coffee in the world, it came right from the hills down to the people, and the best mangoes in the world. They were Honduran philanthropists, sharing what they had. I went down there to learn Spanish, and I ended up living there and making a movie, which I had never done before in my life. I did not speak Spanish. I was taller and whiter than everybody else in the country. The abandoned girls of Our Little Roses shared everything and began to chip away and destroy my deprivation narrative that I had learned growing up. The girls who had no money taught me about God and the meaning of wealth. They were wealthy because of how much they could share. If you don't feel you have anything to share, it is because you don't feel you have enough. And I didn't understand that. And their actions increased my faith. My parents had sent me to an elite private school that I mentioned earlier, where I had learned that famous Blake hymn, but it wasn't until I got to Honduras that I understood it, which is ironic, but everything in the church is ironic. Alabama. <laughs> when I left that place, the girls gave me a carved box filled with their thank you notes. My little Rockefellers. And how much they had to share. Unbeknownst to me, on that film crew was a philanthropist. Upon her departure from my year there, she donated a yearly poetry fellowship that grows stronger a decade later. Two poets are on their way there now from Madrid. Every year, a poet goes to the home and shares their gifts with the girls. I did not ask this woman to do this. It was attraction and not promotion. This woman serves God and not her wealth. She had never been to Honduras before this, and her actions expanded my faith. She is not valuable because of her money. She didn't take over the orphanage with her ego, her money did not elevate her, and it wasn't excessive. The poets that visited there share their gifts, and the girls enrich the poets. Both sides leave richer. As I left that wheat field with Betsy, hearing Rachmaninoff. Rockefeller said, Charity is injurious unless it helps the recipient to become independent 
Perfect. <coughs> Saving wolves and listening to inmates and hanging winter coats from trees makes your Jerusalem here in Jackson Hole. My advice is to let the androgynous hippie Jewish bachelor guide your use of the little white bin on the green paper. Coming from a family of deprivation, when I came to the church, I did not understand pledging. I didn't understand why you would do that. Yet the more I give, the more I get. I get Honduras, I get Madrid, I get Jackson Heights, I get Alabama, I get Jackson Hole, and Rachmaninoff in a field, and a carved box of thank you notes. This September, this church has blessed me with a three-bedroom condo. And out my window, the flat creek sounds like Rachmaninoff. Spiritually void people hoard. They can't give. They withhold. They never have enough. Amelda Marcos couldn't walk with Jesus because she had too many shoes. <laughs> Ten years ago, I first came to Jackson at the invitation of you, Betsy. I had been going across the money raising funds for this documentary film, this crazy idea I had. I've had many crazy ideas, but perhaps this might have been one of my crazier ideas. I'd never made a film. I knew nothing about it. And uh, if you ever make a film, anybody out here, Alabama, anybody, Jude, the one thing you, you've got to remember is that you uh, need money, Tom, to make a film. You need a lot of money. And so um, I didn't even think about that. And we needed, um, we needed a whole lot of money. And right as we needed the money, the fundraiser quit. So uh, I began to raise the money. Uh, I needed $300,000, and I went from church to church. I went from Martha's Vineyard, it took a whole year. I didn't work. I went from, well, I did work, but I didn't work work. I did a pension and everything. Those fiscal pensions are great, but I didn't have that. And I went from Martha's Vineyard to Seattle, and everywhere in between. There was a Williams College student that gave me a $20. There was a guy in Tequesta, Florida that gave me $10,000. And the story of the girls inspired sharing. People opened themselves up, and pop-up Jerusalems grew across the country. And that brought me here to Jackson for the first time 10 years ago. After I preached here, we passed a cowboy hat. And the people of Jackson gave more money to that film than any other community. And the spirit of Rockefeller was swirling in the air. And you did that. You put God first. You opened your checkbooks like Bibles. And you helped make that film. <clears throat> Famous celebrities stepped in. And Amazon bought it and offers it for viewing today. 
This film is called Voices Beyond the Wall. And in, to my, in my humble opinion, the people that worked on that, it is a masterpiece. And I will be proud of that one hour and 18 minutes for the rest of my life. So I wanted to, as I read this reading, uh, uh, You Can't Serve God and Wealth, uh, that Jesus said, I wanted to pointedly thank this community and come back here and thank you for supporting that film. Okay? So, everywhere I go, I'm called a father, just as the spirit of my father is coming into me in real time right before all of you. And you are my family. Sheila, Alabama, Haley, Georgie, Joanna, John, oh, Lorna. Yeah. Oh boy. Bingo. Jude, Valerie, George, all of you. Through you, I have learned. Can you hear me out there? Yeah, okay, good, okay, good. Yeah, I've learned to share this, uh, yeah. And I keep on learning. Through those 72 girls, and through Jimmy, the rector here in Jackson Hole, who I love like a brother, he has shared Jackson with me generously for this whole month. You're a love factory, Jackson Hole, and I'm happy to be a part of that. In closing, do you like these little pieces of paper? You know, I, I got this idea from Winston Churchill, who used to, who's a hero of mine. He used to, when he would go into uh, Parliament, he would have these, he would give these amazing, not sermons, but his speeches were on these tiny pieces of paper. And so, idiosyncratically, that's why I do that. The word Wyoming means wide plains and comes from the Delaware Indians. And the word wealth comes from Old English and means well-being. What my question to you as we leave, as we come to the altar and celebrate the Eucharist, is what does wealth mean to you? Wealth is the love my father gave me, and I, as the recipient of that love, I make myself valuable to him. And it goes both ways. He was my Rockefeller. And we built a Jerusalem as best we could. Wyoming, your well-being is wide and nuanced. Yvonne Chenard, founder of Patagonia and Jackson Hole resident, just gave his fortune to combat climate change. So I don't know what you will give and what you will receive. You can hoard, you can leave here today and start hoarding. <laughs> you can be fearful, and I'm sure that that happens. It's not all sunshine and lollipops. 
but I say from my heart that Wyoming widens my Jerusalem. And I can't offer this place a big enough carved wooden box of thank you notes. As I am a philanthropist of love this morning, you also are philanthropists of love coming in my direction. And I thank you for that. Life is short, as I know, more than ever. But it is wide, as wide as that view behind me. And money doesn't grow on trees but love and winter coats do. Mm -hmm. so Amen. Amen. Amen.